We're tackling a big boy today. That's right. Today, I am joined by one Aiden Keckney, and Aiden and me are going to break down his favorite movie of all time, one of the greatest movies of all time, directed by Steven Spielberg. We will be hitting the monumental blockbuster that was Jurassic Park, and all of its sequels just a little bit, because like, you can't talk about the first one without talking about them all. But this the interview goes in a bunch of different places that... I don't think that have been spoken on as much. Like, this is really coming from a true fan that's going to go into his specific moments that after a hundredth watch of the movie is like, holy, like, uh, that moment right there, that's some good acting. And it's going to be, like, unconventional things that not everyone looks to, but I'm excited for you guys to see it. Again, thank you for joining me. My name is Jesse Lewis, and you're watching Geekin' Out. Oh man, I am doing fantastic. How are you? Oh, you know, my turtle's digging stuff up, but uh, I figured for my former roommate, Mr. Aiden Keckney, I will be letting the cats roam free, specifically Chewie, because Chewie's the real shithead of the two. So they're roaming free because you're a former roommate who loves the cats and it was there when I we got them. I so much. And it looks like the turtle's excited too, because he can, even he can tell that you're here, so... It's a pretty exciting yeah. episode. It's a roommate reunion, and we're going to be talking about what is one of the greatest films of all time, probably one of the top five blockbusters ever released, Steven Spielberg's Jurassic Park, your favorite movie of all time. Yes. Hell yeah. My dude. absolute favorite film. Yeah, dude. So I assume anyone watching this has seen Jurassic Park. If you haven't, I like honestly it's far more important that you watch that and even if you never come back to this video go watch Jurassic Park like it's just a classic but, but can you break down the plot for anyone who hasn't seen it or just forgot they haven't seen it in a long time you know there are a surprising amount of people who haven't seen Jurassic Park you know having the um I have it on my tinder that Jurassic Park is my favorite movie and I get an uncomfortable amount of people messaging me being like i've never seen it before i'm like well your first time's not going to be with me who raised so, these people <laughs> i yeah, i don't know um but uh to dissect the plot for you basically uh jurassic park is a movie um about a theme park on a uh, on an island that is essentially a zoo um uh, filled with uh dinosaurs brought back um, from the from extinct by um, the DNA from the blood uh, of dinosaurs that has been fossilized inside of amber from a mosquito. That's the plot of the movie. It's and pretty interesting. It's pretty interesting. It's uh, but, but like, but like the way you said it, it doesn't sound interesting. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't because it's sound just so sciencey. But that is the plot of the movie, minus the characters. That's what the movie is. It's, and and there is, there's a good amount of exposition in the beginning of the movie because they do need to kind of explain to you what's going on. Like, how can this be? Um, but once you get through all that sciencey mumbo jumbo. 
um, it's surreally entertaining because, you know, the dinosaurs don't stay in the cages. Yeah. Um, of course. Well, what kind of, what kind of movie would keep dinosaurs in cages? <laughs> the, the, the welcome to Jurassic Park. And we're going to give you this whole moral lesson about why dinosaurs should or should not be made, but we're never going to see the dinosaurs out of the cage. They're just going to roam around. There is. The, <laughs> yeah, no, that would be, um, less interesting but now i kind of want to see that pretty harsh honest yeah I'm, uh, y- you Just know like what look at dinosaurs for three hours yeah you know i feel like that's kind of what avatar did mm. yep. james cameron wants to be steven spielberg you heard it here first <laughs> i mean it's true and uh, it's meant it's funny you actually mention um james cameron uh he so before this um so jurassic park was based off of a novel by michael crichton and before the novel even came out, there were multiple studios battling to get the rights to the movie. Um, and one of the directors in talks to make Jurassic Park was actually James Cameron. Um, and his vision for the film would be much closer to the original book, which is a horror novel. Very dark. So, very dark. And, uh, and very, um, very like... I think like brutal 80s action films um that's kind of and like that and horror that's kind of what jurassic park would have been it would have been very similar in tone and feel to aliens um and definitely uh ellie sattler or um ellie sattler that character who's eventually ended up being played by laura dern would have had more of a a lead role in this kind of sigourney weaver type of vibes Mm, very Um, so really pulling from Alien, eh? Yes. Yeah, I can yeah, see for that. Sure. I can see her even doing that. Laura Dern would be I... good. Just don't put her in space and you're fine. Yes. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, yeah, so that was going to be the direction. And then, um, interestingly enough, when uh, it, it came down to Universal and then Steven Spielberg, um, when Crichton wrote the novel Jurassic Park, he wanted it to be very lighthearted. Uh, and very similar in tone to what the movie actually was. There was an adventure, but at the end of the day, it was a feel-good movie. Um, but be, uh, the, the publisher um, of, of the book was like, okay, well, you tend to do this more like horror style. We know that's what's going to sell. That's what we want you to write. And so that's what he did. But when it came down to making the actual movie, Steven Spielberg, the master of wonder and adventure, was like, I got you, and made the movie more so in line with Crichton's vision. Which is why I think this is one of the rare times um, where the book or the movie is actually better than the book. Be- um, because it, it fulfills the author's true vision. It feels more honest. Mm. Um. It, it, it definitely does feel more honest. So it's like the book um, is almost disingenuous because it's coming from a place that it didn't originally come from, from Crichton, right? Yeah, there's a lot of science in that book that mm-hmm. is not interesting. And the best parts are the scenes that are, you know, similar to the movie. Like, mm-hmm. um, it, like the, that follow that sort of structure. It, it's meant to be the adventure that the film gave us. Yeah. Um, and it seemed like he was just sort of 
killing off characters and making things way more violent than they really needed to be. Just because he felt as though he had to appease his publisher, correct? He did. Yeah. You know, uh, he was, you know, contractually obligated to to do so. Um, But he also, uh, along with David Kep, um, who also like did Indiana Jones, like the screenplays for those, they wrote the screenplay together and they were able to make this just phenomenal um, uh, the, the 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 true story. Yeah, and you talked a lot about how like it became so special, but what makes it so special? You know what I mean? What is the yeah. what is what makes Jurassic Park the epic, the blockbuster that it really is, and has stayed as such for as long as it has since ninety one, ninety three, ninety three, the highest grossing film of the year. Mm. Um, and the third highest grossing film in the 90s just under Titanic and The Phantom Menace. And Titanic uh, was the highest grossing of all time for a while. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so what makes it so special is um, there's, there's a lot here. Yeah. Uh, there's a very, very heartwarming uh, story um, to be told. Um and it all revolves around Sam Neill's character, uh, Alan Grant. So Alan Grant is a paleontologist um, who is uh, basically persuaded into coming to see the island for a weekend um, to basically sign off on the park uh, so that it can open to the public, basically give his stamp of approval. And at the beginning of the film, you see... um, this child walk onto his dig site and basically I love he's this scene. talking all kinds of crap about how he he sees this they've just dug up this raptor skeleton and he says that doesn't um yeah it doesn't really look that doesn't he said it doesn't look very scary he said it it's more like a it's like a six foot turkey because it looked like a bird just a big bird skeleton and alan grant goes i bet and he's like <laughs> picture yourself in Yo, the cretaceous son. period <laughs> and he's like and he he actually pulls out a raptor claw the big toe claw that is like made so famous um by this movie and he's like picture yourself in the uh, Cretaceous period and you see this velociraptor and then basically he goes on to explain how this six foot turkey would brutally disembowel this child and eat him while he's still alive to his the child's face yeah and this child has tears in his eyes and he's like okay and then yeah and then there's a scene afterwards where um he's talking with uh, Ellie Sattler, who's his girlfriend, and she says, you know, if you wanted to scare the kid, you could have just pulled a gun on him. And basically they just talk about how he doesn't like kids. And for some reason, he just doesn't like kids. And in the movie, and then later in the movie, he's confronted with, um, because basically there's a team of people that go to this island to sign off the park. Uh, Alan Grant, Ellie Sattler, um, both paleontologists, um, and Ian Malcolm, Ian Malcolm, played by Jeff Goldblum. We'll talk we'll, about him we'll, later. We'll, we'll, we'll get Don't to worry. him. Don't we'll worry. Um, we'll talk about everyone at some point. Don't worry. A, Focus a, on uh, Grant, sci- scientist and mathematician. 
and um, Donald Gennaro, who is a um, one of the lawyers uh, um, that you know is a part of the Jurassic Park like legal team, I guess, um, and they uh, basically escort um, the owner of the park, John Hammond's grandchildren, around for the weekend. And basically, when things go awry uh, and um, the group is separated, um, there's uh, a scene where uh, the t there's a T-Rex and it busts out and it throws this um, car with uh, both children in it uh, over the side of the this cliff. Ba basically, um, what happens is Alan Grant has to look after these two kids. And it's very difficult for him at the beginning, but it's a survival thing. And, you know, he's got to do what he's got to do. And so by the end, so he goes on this journey with these kids through a dinosaur-infested jungle to get back to the group, and then eventually they leave the island via rescue chopper. But in that time, he learns, you know, for what, like whatever reason, it was, he had an issue with kids that that shouldn't necessarily be the way anymore. And you sort of see, there's this scene at, at the end where they're flying off in the helicopter, and he has both kids who have just, you know, passed out from exhaustion on each shoulder, and then he, Ellie looks at him and smiles, and he kind of returns that. Yeah. Sort of giving this idea that, like, maybe they're going to go and start a family. Um, yeah, and you know, that, that sort of story is kind of... The way it plays out throughout the movie in very subtle ways where it's like he'll give he, at first he's almost scowling towards the kids the whole time and then eventually he's like having a bit of fun with them he gives them the smirk after the uh electric fence scene right and i just there's uh, which the best I, dad the best dad joke ever yeah it's hilarious which is yeah. like I, I would of course do that that'd be my first motive is to do the electric fence scene right so yeah, <laughs> but like yeah. it's it's really done in just subtle ways, and that's only one aspect of the whole story, right? And that's revolving around one character. But yeah, the reason for me that the the movie works so well, which also I forgot to mention, I have the VHS right here, just in my hand. Nice. By the way, it's a part of these giant collections up here. Um, is the cast obviously the cast yeah. is some would say perfect. It was one of the best ensembles that we've seen in cinema um what makes you love the cast so much and what was like what was the best dynamic between all the cast members would you say like what was your favorite like little interactions i think my favorite interactions to be like honest are between uh jeff goldblum and richard attenborough um there is a very genuine sort of hate relationship that uh, Richard Attenborough has towards Ian Malcolm, or or um, Ian uh, Malcolm towards John Richard Hammond has. Oh, no, sorry. no, no, no. I don't. I don't think that uh, Malcolm. Malcolm they, is pretty non, not non-judgmental. I call but, him a little jaded. I think he's the kind of guy who thinks everyone thinks he's cool. <laughs> but he is so cool. Well, I and, don't, don't get yeah. me wrong. We all do think he's cool, but I I feel like he's just been fed that so long that he just assumes Hammond is. Okay, sorry, continue. <laughs> no, it's okay. And it's and so well, and you you kind of get that vibe in the movie too because like, I mean, 
uh, he's not the um, John Hammond isn't the only guy that's giving him the side eye the whole time. Yeah. Um, it's also Sam Neill's character, but I mean, I could understand it because the entire time, the entire runtime of the film, uh, Ian Malcolm is hitting on Ellie, and you know, it's not about that. Um, but yeah, so the the sort of <laughs> there's a scene at the beginning of the film where they're flying into the island and um, basically like they're sitting across from each other uh, Ian Malcolm and um, John Hammond and like Hammond just looks at him with this disdain and he's like I I despise you and like because you know here you have the paleontologist and then you have this um, mathematician, or as he calls himself a chaotician, because he specializes in chaos theory, um, who's just sort of like, I'm a, like, the, the line is, um, you, um, I bring the scientist, you bring the rock star, specifically in reference, he's talking to the lawyer, um, who decided for some reason to bring Ian Malcolm along, and right. he just doesn't want him there. Um, and the whole time, um, you know, Malcolm is sort of poking holes in the park. Aw, Chewie. I'm sorry. Um, he just came over meowing. He just woke up from a nap whenever he's, no, okay. you know, whenever he sleeps and then wakes up. He needs That's love so and attention. Cool. Sorry, audio viewers, but I'm currently holding my cat, giving him kisses and love. So let's continue the interview because he might want to stay all here good. for a while. <laughs> it's all good. Um, yeah, and, uh, uh, and then, so they, they, the first little uh, hiccup they have in the ride is that, you know, it's, they have this, um, they have the track that these um, sort of, like, uh, Ford Explorers, like, run on um, that uh, is basically a ride, a tour of the island. And it's kind of hard, they realize, to keep the dinosaurs in sight because they're just, they have this big jungle to roam around in. And so for the first, like, six uh, attractions, there's no dinosaurs. And there's a scene uh, where um, Malcolm taps on the car, like the security cam that's inside the car, and he goes, uh, uh, you, you, you do uh, plan to have dinosaurs uh, sometime on your, on your dinosaur tour, uh, right? Um, and, and then it just pans over to um, he, or, uh, John Hammond, and he's just got his hand in his head. He's like, I really, really hate that man. <laughs> this like this disdain it's, it's just so funny it's funny to me like yeah. there's a scene where he's in the helicopter and he's he's like um hammond saying some shit and then i don't know why but malcolm just reaches out and touches his leg and then he swaps his hand away he's like, don't touch me That's and so I, I, that, that i don't know why that happened but that kills me every single time like he just needed to reach out and touch him, and yeah, I don't, I don't know why. Like, <laughs> don't touch me. So um, now, now you've touched on a bit of Ian Malcolm and a bit of yeah. Doctor Grant. I'm gonna bid you the ultimate question: Which one do you prefer, and why? As a character, of course. Uh, we we all know who which of the actors you're probably more of a fan of. <laughs> yes, uh, as I mean. In terms of, it's okay. It's hard not to love Ian Malcolm. He's this is uh, this is the this is a guy who made 
there, there were no cool scientists in movies at this point. That's he, true. He made science cool. And, you know, the way... This was the Jeff Goldblum character that sort of wrote the script for the rest of Jeff Goldblum's career. Yeah. He found himself in this role, I in, feel In like. the movie, yeah. This is, this yeah. is him at his peak. Because yeah, and this I, is him. <laughs> exactly. And he's just kind of being himself. He's also... This is prime Jeff Goldblum. He's very nice mm. to look at in Yeah, this he's movie. groovy, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and... Uh, he's so dirty, dude. Like, you have no idea. If I, like... <laughs> Man, he is just a uh, he. I I would just if I met him, I would melt. Like I would be like, my guy, I have been in love with you since I was three years old, and I need you to take me out for ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> and and he'd be like, um, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> ooh, well, uh, I don't know about that, but I can certainly shake your hand once or twice, and uh, I will mosey on out of here. <laughs> Let me hear your gold bloom. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Let me hear yours. I mean, Give me your gold there, bloom. Come on. Well, here's the thing. I want to say this. There is a trick to doing a good, uh, uh, Jeff, uh, gold bloom, gold bloom. Uh, it's, there's a lot of ums and, uh, ahs and putting... <laughs> And uh, a, a lot of ums and ahs and putting the emphasis on the wrong words. Words? Um, <laughs> it's, 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 there's a, there's a weird uh, sort of, he doesn't speak like any other person. No, he's, um, he's very robotic. Well, no, <laughs> like, not but even. like, no, he's so like, unpredictable. A, he's literally like a robot with like a, a memory chip missing or something, you know? Oh, yeah. That was a Cohen Roy cameo from episode number one for people, long-term fans of the show. <laughs> I live alone. Cue anyway, the X-Files uh, music. Uh, yeah, so that's... Uh, so to, to answer your question, it's hard not to love Jeff Goldblum, but I think... As I kind of touched on earlier, in terms of Jurassic Park and from the character's perspective, the it's hard not to love that growth of character mm. with uh, with Sam Neill, and I, I think that's for so for Alan Grant, that's my favorite character from that movie. That's fair. Um, and you know what? I yeah. think that's a good. I think that's totally fair. Um, but there's another character in the movie characters. That we haven't really touched on yet. We've just kind of spoken about the, uh, what's the word, human characters in this movie. So I want to ask you, of all the dinosaurs in this movie, what's your favorite? There's actually three mm -hmm. questions to this, so I want you to yep. be ready for it, okay? Who is sure. your favorite dinosaur in the film? Who is the most accurate dinosaur in the film? Because I know you're a big uh, paleontologist enthusiast. And uh, who is the least accurate dinosaur in the film? So, like, what dinosaur is the closest to reality of, to what they would have been or what actual paleontologists believe, which is the least, and who do you like? <laughs> Who's your favorite? Um, well, to be honest... Okay, so, so my favorite dinosaur in Jurassic Park is, without a doubt, Rexy. Yeah, the uh, T-Rex. Beautiful. Yeah. Majestic. Yeah, She's just, she's a queen, and uh, yeah, and uh, it's hard not to love the star of the film. I think 
that the scene where the T-Rex first breaks out of her cage, uh, of, of the, yeah, out of her cage, is one of the most suspenseful, like, most well-done suspense scenes ever. Yeah. I, I think that it is, it is so captivating, the so water? well done. The water? Yeah. I can't um, do it. <laughs> that that was actually done by putting a guitar string underneath the dash mm, of the car. That makes sense. And they they just plucked vibrations. Mhm. Yeah, uh that's one of the most captivating uh like suspense scenes I I think I've ever seen in film. Um I'd call it one of the most iconic scenes in that whole film. Well, everyone knows the ripple of the the, the water. Everyone yeah, knows it's true. Um and uh you know, it, it's so it's visually it's so well done. Um, the beautiful like, and this is this kind of goes for the whole film, but this beautiful blend of CGI and practical effects. Yeah. Um, which we can, we'll we'll touch on because that's a very important part of this movie too. But uh, the there's there's just not there's 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 no quite there's no character quite like Rexy. Yeah. Um, the most accurate dinosaur in the film. Um, there's a few. Like the T Rex is pretty accurate. The Brachiosaurus is pretty accurate. Um, the Triceratops is very accurate. I think the question really is, what are the least accurate dinosaurs? Yeah, that's what I want to know. I think I know the answer, but I don't. I don't one hundred percent know because I I didn't do great when I was in grade five and learned it. So. <laughs> Uh, I think the least accurate dinosaur in the film would probably be the Dilophosaurus, oh. um, the Spitter. Um, so That's in this film, thinking. they had they had the Dilophosaurus as this very small, um, uh, sort of like three foot ish um, dinosaur that could spit venom. Um, neither so you, it, in real life, there's no evidence that it could do that. And also, it was closer to 10 to 12 feet tall. It was gigantic. And it would just... In the, with the thing. Yeah. That's it's so scary. scary. <laughs> it, it, didn't, it didn't come out like that. Uh, that's based off of... Um, Predator? The, the, no, there's a, there's a lizard in real life that does that. You know what I mean? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The one that like stands on its hind legs. Yeah. I forget what that lizard's called, but it's based more so off of that. I know more about dinosaurs. Yeah, me too. Uh, but uh, there's, in the book, that dinosaur, um, when it k- killed Dennis Nedry, so uh, Newman. Newman from Seinfeld, yeah. um, uh, it, when it dis- uh, killed him in the book, it didn't do it in the same way in the movie where it spits some venom and then sneaks up on him. They find that car with the whole top torn off and just his body just around. Um, it's he's just much, massive. It's much more brittle, brutal. Yeah, because he's so massive. Uh, yeah. And then the other less accurate dinosaur is the Velociraptor. Yeah. Um, which, now, to be, uh, to be fair to Jurassic Park, there is a raptor that is six feet tall. It's called the Utah Raptor. That looks very similar to what the Jurassic Park rap- Velociraptor looks like, but in actuality, the Velociraptor is about the size of a chicken and covered in feathers. Um, so they switched 
the little they I guess it's less intimidating to have a Galopasaur. That's the name of that one, right? Dilophosaurus. Dilophosaurus. Yeah, that's a far less intimidating name than Velociraptor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like there's a basketball team named after the Raptors, so that's pretty cool. It, and I so, and I do there's no, think there's that no Dilophosaurus. <laughs> no. Um, and that's the thing is that this movie had such incredible uh, cultural significance. Mm. Um, it was another, it was one of the, like, it was like the first major film after Star Wars to have a Kenner toy line, um, which was really big. Uh, it had a entire McDonald's promotion, you know, you could get, a a, a, um, a thing of fries that was like T-Rex size. That's and, fun. You know, you know, it, it came in a little box. Probably not buy super it. healthy. You buy <laughs> oh no, not at all. Um, and, uh. It was in the 90s. They didn't have health back then. Um, What's health? Candy for dinner, dog. Candy for dinner. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, I, I, the Raptors were definitely named after. Like, there's no way that the no. Toronto Raptors wouldn't would have been that team if it wasn't for the film. Um, That's true. It's probably 100% accurate because Raptors aren't intimidating in the least. <laughs> Well, where would, you know, and the design of the dinosaur on the logo is based off of the, like, so many people were educated about dinosaurs from Jurassic Park. It's true. Um, you know, I think that when we were sort of growing up, there was, like, you know, if you, if you for example, like, I think every little boy was either into space or dinosaurs. I like so, both, like, but space was cooler. Yeah, I mean, like we we can like both, but you had one that. You yeah, picked. that's fair. Why and like? Come on, there's two movies that are Star Wars and uh, Jurassic Park, and you know what? Those are two of the greatest blockbusters of all time, and one of them was directed by Spielberg, right? And he is undoubtedly the king of the summer blockbuster. There's no doubt in anyone's mind. He, in he invented it. So, I, I want to ask you, unobjectively, not, mm -hmm. not as the, your favorite movie of all time being Jurassic Park, where do you think Jurassic Park fits in the ranking of the Steven Spielberg filmography? Like, would you put Jaws above it? I don't think that... I don't think that Jaw. I think I don't think that Jaws. Uh, I think that Jaw. Like Jaws took a lot of the elements of suspense, and you know, um, it took a lot of the elements of suspense and and horror that were kind of perfected. I think in Jurassic Park, but Jaws had. Well, there's a good bit of exposition in the first minute, thirty minutes of Jurassic Park. But Jaws takes forever to get there, and I don't think the payoff is as rewarding and as exciting and as interesting as um, Jurassic Park. And I don't think the action's done as well. What and about E.T.? I, I do think that, yeah, this is the thing. I think that E.T. is, um, while Jurassic Park really well embodies that sense of childlike wonder, it came from E.T. Yeah, that's true. I, I there's no there's no beating uh, 
E.T. like for for that flying your bikes through the air with your friends. Yeah, like there's just something special about it. Um, And uh, yeah, and I think that that it's hard to pick one. It it really is. Um, But I do think that there's. I, I the thing is I I know there's a bias here, but honestly, like objectively, I kind of put them with each other because they each kind of have something that the other doesn't. Yeah, they both cover their bases, but in different ways. Like all the boxes are ticked if you put them together. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yes, and I think that um, I think that Jurassic Park was the more technologically impressive film. Yeah, I think I think though I think though that ET was the sh- the strongest story. Yeah, that makes I sense. Think that, most well-rounded. Most well-rounded. Like, as much as I love... Um, I love Sam Neill's character and his story progression with those characters, but it's not the only story that's going on. It's a bit more subtle, but I really... Like, the the relationship between E.T. and Elliot, like... The, it's hard to beat that. That's like... It's, it's, it's very hard to beat Yeah, that. but you know what I think is that Jurassic Park definitely edges over E.T. when it comes to one aspect, and I don't think this is any competition, is the score. And the score for Jurassic Park is like... I, I can't listen to scores just hanging out, but I can listen to the Jurassic Park score. So I want to ask you, what is your, not only your favorite song from Jurassic Park, like from the score... But when is does the music make the movie the best? Like, what moment is it like the score is elevating this to a whole other level right now? You know what I mean? I, I definitely think the scene with the Brachiosaurus, uh, there's no beating the, the scene where, um, you know, they first see a dinosaur. Mm. You know what I mean? See, and... I actually disagree with you. And I think mm. you're going to find this interesting. I think the best use of music in that movie is the use of music during the end when the raptors are about to come down and beat them and Rexy mm. saves the day. That, mm. to me, that moment where the music swells and he's got the sash coming down, like when dinosaurs ruled the earth, like, oh, it's so cool. Like, that, that yeah. music, the music really for me is like, woo! <laughs> it... Yeah, that's fair. Um, And I think that... uh, And I think that that is a really uh, amazing scene. It just sort of caps that off so perfectly. Yeah. Um, You know, it it goes from this incredible suspense and uh, to just this sort of grandeur all over again. Yeah, it's it's like the the, the wonder that was stripped away from you from these scary monsters is brought back to you all at once. Yeah. And the score was so impressive and loud, they couldn't even hear the T-Rex getting into the building. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Getting into How that, that small Jesus. building. <laughs> she was in stealth mode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, uh, Dude, you can lose you know. Godzilla in New York City, and you can lose, and you can't hear a T-Rex when it sneaks listen, up on you. <laughs> listen, that wasn't Godzilla. It was we'll talk about that another time. Yeah, that's another um, day. Um, but yeah, I think that the score is pro- is one of the highlights. But another one of the highlights in this movie is the side characters, the characters that aren't the main focus. So I'm talking, I don't know his name, and I didn't do the research for it, so I just wrote Clever Girl, that guy. I wrote him. Robert, Ma- yeah. I wrote uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Mm-hmm. 
and Newman, obviously. But and if there's any I'm missing, please enlighten me. But who is your favorite and why? For of the side characters that aren't Lord, you know, you know, we all know what I'm saying. So Robert Muldoon, the game warden, clever girl, uh, is definitely my favorite side character. There's just such there's such an intensity, and he has his own little story too. Um, you know, he's you know, like I said, the game warden, so the guy basically making sure all the dinosaurs are in check, and, um, you know, you first, uh, you see him at the beginning of the movie, um, as they're, uh, transporting a raptor into its cage, um, she's a bit too smart, uh, and sort of busts her way out and, um, eats a man while he's, like, Muldoon is holding on to him, trying to save him, tell like screaming at all of these guards to shoot her and you know it's him and the raptors this entire time and so when the park goes awry and the power shut off um and that all the dinosaurs get out this scene where he um you know uh tries to hunt down the raptors but is ultimately hunted down um there's just an intensity in the way he walks and the in his voice and the way he looks at these things um it's just it's the kind the, what i kind of like about this movie is there's a bit of an exaggeration to these characters they are kind of cartoon like yeah and just the his intensity is is um kind of unmatched and it's uh, it's cool to see i i really do like muldoon and just yeah. that line at the end like clever girl and like like you got me you know what i mean like as much as he has a this sort of hatred towards there's a real he's a game warden and there's a real respect for these animals which is what i like one of the reasons i really like this film is that there's um like i love it is they don't treat these creatures like monsters yeah it really does just they really do, do just play it off like animals that are existing in on a this island not, yeah yeah in a time that they're not supposed to be in and acting uh defensively yeah which i think is really cool I agree. And you know what? I think that's another one of the great themes in the movie. But right now, I have... This is a more broad question for you. Yeah. Is there one line of dialogue in this movie that would sum up the whole thing? One line of dialogue that's just like, this is it. You know what I mean? This is what Jurassic Park stands for. Much like how in Spy Kids 2, we all know that the, the line is... You know, do you ever wonder that God stays in heaven because he too lives in fear of what he's made from Spike yeah. Kids too? <laughs> well, I mean, my first instinct is to say the line from Jeff Goldblum where he goes, uh, life uh, finds a way. And, uh, you know, I was, that's what I was thinking too. Yeah, and I think that that is very much you know it's it's the most popular line of that movie but i do really think it's sort of um it deserves it it deserves it and um i think that it sums it up really the movie up really well because the biggest theme is sort of life cannot be contained like yeah. we can't play god there's this really interesting scene um towards the beginning of the film where they've just arrived on the island and they're all having um, lunch. And they're sitting in this dark room, but they're all sort of illuminated by these spotlights um, that are uh, 
projecting different images on the wall of what the park is going to look like. Um, and they're having this discussion about creation, and it's very uh, biblical in a way. There's a lot of sort of God-like themes in this movie. Yeah. And especially with the it, going back to the score, uh, the the scene where you first see like uh, you, you could almost Jurassic say Park. the line from Spy Kids two could be in Jurassic Park. <laughs> it could be. It totally could have been. Sorry, I was just like when you were bringing up the God shit, I was like, God does live in fear in heaven. <laughs> Steve Buscemi was right. He was right. Steve Buscemi's always right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. That scene where, um, you, you, like, you first see a dinosaur, there's the, this very, like, it, it sounds like almost, like, like there's, 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 um, it sounds like something you'd hear in a church, you know? It's very, uh, it's very ethereal. And, uh, I think that this sort of simple theme, like, you're trying to play God by, like, creating new life or whatever, and you think that you can contain it and, or, and exploit it for money, but eventually things come crashing down. And, you know, you, there's no... You, you, we are um, not as important as we think we are on this planet. Uh, even beca just because human beings have sort of, like, um, evolved past... Uh, loincloths and fighting for survival like we're still you know if you you put us in a scenario with a tiger in a locked room and we're not gonna you know we're gonna lose we're gonna lose we're yeah gonna so lose. it's like it, it, we're not above um, no we're not above uh the earth we're not above like the universe or god or whatever that like whatever that looks like we're not we're a part of it we're not so important yeah, and I, I think it's just like a nice, humbling message. Reminder. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And you know what? That's you answered that question more beautifully than I could have ever imagined. Um, this question is going to be a little controversial. Sure. Jurassic Park is not the only movie in this franchise. There's actually currently four sequels to it, right? Yeah, four sequels huh. to this movie. Which of these four sequels, all of which have been critically panned, <laughs> sorry. Oh, um, I know. Which of those four would you consider your favorite and why? Uh, the Lost World. Yeah. Um, I think The Lost World is the best attempt at a Jurassic Park sequel. Um, and I think for the first half, it was a true Jurassic Park sequel. Um... And I say that because in the Lost World, basically what they uh, they try to go a bit of the opposite route. Well, the first movie was about um, trying to, you know, exploit um, or like exploit these animals. In the sequel, um, you know, uh, after after the events of um, the first film, uh, John Hammond has. Um, Jurassic Park taken away from him by you know lawyers and whatever. And, Makes sense. Know, um, it, it does. I mean, a bunch of people died. It was bad. Um, but uh, he sends Ian Malcolm and a, uh, a team of experts back to the island to basically create a uh, journal, like a photo record of um, 
you know, dinosaurs living in their habitat so that they could be protected uh, as animals. Well, this is another game. island, right? This is... The, yeah, so this is a second... In the, in, the, in, the, um, in, in the second movie, they explain that there's an additional island that they bred the dinosaurs in on and then transported them to the island with the park. Um, this island was called uh, Site B, uh, but the, uh, the actual name of the island was uh, Isla Sorna. So they, uh, yeah, so um, Malcolm and a team of experts go to Sorna to basically like protect these animals while the new uh, regime of InGen, the company that originally created Jurassic Park, is trying to, at the same time, go in, take the dinosaur, dinosaurs off the island, and put them in a theme park uh, in San Diego. Um, I liked this. I, I love this idea as a concept because it's sort of like it, it's taking a different sort of a, like approach, but but it, it continued the story in a way that I thought was also thoughtful. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you know, um, uh, but what happened was this message of conservation and you know. Um, animals like it sort of while the first movie treated dinosaurs like animals living in the environment as they would the sequel towards the end really turns into monster movie territory yeah and steven spielberg said himself that by the end of the film he felt like he was just making a monster movie and it became sort of hollow which is what he was trying so hard to avoid with the first film and Basically, what happens is there's uh, the success, the mission to bring the majority of the dinosaurs back to um, the U.S. was unsuccessful, and they're only able to get two dinosaurs, uh, um, a T-Rex and the T-Rex's baby, and uh, the T-Rex um, isn't sedated properly, I guess, and destroys the entire crew on the boat and uh, then goes on a rampage through San Diego. And it plays off very much like... It, it, it's Godzilla. It looks like Godzilla. That's kind of what they're It actually kind of looks better than Godzilla. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, uh, I mean, it looks better than that Godzilla. That's um, true. Uh, yeah, I mean... It, and... Um, yeah, so basically it became a monster movie. And yeah. then that's kind of the route that the rest of the films took. The The tonal shift was right when they decided to make that. Yeah. And then the rest of it carried out like that. And I think the reason that they're all panned so bad is because they don't have that same real message yeah. that the first movie had. If you can look at... Jurassic or the Lost World Jurassic Park and the, the other sequels for sort of what they are um, and, and and you enjoy like the monster movie um, sort of if you like monster movies they're thoroughly entertaining um, and they're basically all just B movies with an incredibly high budget which is fun you know yeah. um, you know what there's nothing wrong with that but 
as you said, and as I've said, that the movies are critically panned, that they're kind of hollow, so I want to know what do you want out of Jurassic Park Dominion, or Jurassic World Dominion, because that's the next one coming out, 2021, is there anything that would sell you and really make the movie splash more, or is, is there really no bringing proper interest back to this franchise at this, after four sequels of monster movies without, you know, any big... No, I, I, th- I think it's still possible. Um, and what I think that they're probably going to go for, I don't know this for sure, but I think Jurassic World was a very... Um, that was a very intentional choice of title when they made this new series. And I think that what they're going to end up with is a world that is sort of like uh, people live sort of in harmony with dinosaurs. Um, and I think that that sort of plays into what they were trying to go for with the like the original film, like the yeah. idea of like, we contain, life finds a way. And it's sort of like, well, now we've made this mistake. How are we going to... Um, live with it yeah uh and i i I don't know i think that uh it'd be really interesting to see like what uh a world like that sort of looks like um dinosaurs with jobs i you know maybe maybe like they send raptors out with fucking gps trackers (laughs) and they deliver like Uber or Eats or something. They get Amazon. To your house they so would bad. definitely be Amazon delivery service because Amazon is just like, oh, we don't need to pay people anymore. We can just hire True. dinosaurs. Done. Genius. Done. Yeah, and there's like just ter- pterodactyls <laughs> dropping off uh, packages. You know, like there's, yeah. Drops um, off a package, picks up a baby in the next house. <laughs> uh, you know, um. I think that would be really, I think that'd be really interesting. Um, uh, I think that uh, home security would look different. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think that I, I, I'm, I'm, it's very, it's, it's, it's definitely interesting. Yeah. Um, and I think that that would kind of be like what I'd want to see out of the series at this point. Um, yeah, that would be, that would be cool. Cause it's like, they've kind of gone in this, uh, over the top, like, I, I mean, when you say, I want to make a movie about a clone dinosaur theme park, like, the idea of reality is kind of thrown out the window yeah, at that point. Just, like, take this piece of paper. But I think what I appreciated about Jurassic Park was that even though it was an insane concept, they tried to present it in a very realistic way. Mm. Um, and... Uh, yeah, the the new the new films are just sort of like, um, it's it's all just feels like a cartoon. Yeah, you know? I feel. And um, you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. It's just not that greatness that it was. It doesn't. It doesn't have the the. You don't. There's not as much feeling. Yeah. While I'm watching it, I'm very entertained. Um, and you know, visually they're still impressive. I I think that there's way too much of a reliance on. CG uh, now, the the first film was so early in the in the um, uh, development of CGI, but they understood their limitations. So the lighting was always perfect for the shot that they needed, and it was used only when they absolutely needed it. Yeah. Um, and I think that 
that was that that the the they like somebody at uh, Industrial Light and Magic sold their soul to the devil so that they could get the the CGI for Jurassic Park. Because I, if you, you know if what? you look if you look at CG like early CGI, like the most impressive thing we had up until that point was Terminator 2. And that was just a metal man. That wasn't even great. <laughs> it wasn't even that good. And then we went from that to the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. Like now that I look at it, there's a few scenes that are a bit eh. And it's the stuff that's in the daylight, which makes sense. Yeah. Uh, the because still doesn't look good in the daylight. But the scene in uh, the night scene oh, with, with the, the T-Rex, T-Rex yeah. is insane it to me great. that that's CGI. It, it's, it's so mind-boggling to me. Um, and, and, and I think that once... And this is kind of an amazing... Like the, the movie sort of talks about, um, you know... Uh, there's, there's, there's a scene early on in the film where Ian Malcolm's talking about uh, the possible implications... Of, of this park and what they're doing. And he's like, you know, before you even knew what you really have here, you slapped it on a plastic lunchbox and you're selling it. Yeah. And, and I think that's kind of interesting in, in terms of like people like we, so we got CGI, right. As this amazing new tool to make all these amazing things. And people just saw it like, Oh my God, what could we do with this? And it didn't become about uh, using it as a, tool to like sort of make the move it just became everything it's how to sell now it's Brand how to new, sell shiny now. yeah you're right no you're right because, and because look at the look at the films that we got after right <laughs> the next the next okay so the highest glo- the highest grossing uh like films of the 90s like number three is jurassic park number four is independence day that was sort of and then we got because we got all these disaster films because they're like oh my god look at all the stuff we can do with this uh new effect this new toy that we have so we got um uh independence day we got uh the 1998 godzilla film which is we got twister um we i mean we 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 uh we we got pixar um we we got shrek we got we got 2000 that's okay um yeah we got uh what else we got the uh, remastered star wars films we got sorry uh why you gotta do that i was i was riding such a fun high talking about like movies and you brought up the remasters and then all i can think about they they came out in the 90s yeah and if it wasn't for if it and i mean you kind of have i guess you sort of have Jurassic Park to blame for that in a uh, weird way. Thank you. But the thing uh, is, you know is what? I if, never thought about that. Maybe I'll resent this movie from now on. <laughs> but I mean, if it wasn't Jurassic Park, it would have been something else, uh, and we probably still would have ended up at the same place. Yeah, but it wouldn't and have been that, my Star Wars, all right? <laughs> and then it would have been something you, else. What's, what's amazing though is you can see the difference. Yeah. When one when one was trying to use it sparingly, it looks so good, and then. Like for the Phantom Menace, for example, it's just like, oh my God! Now these, there's just full CGI characters walking yeah. around in the middle of the, and it looks bad. Um, and uh, I think that there, there, there was just a real art to the way the first Jurassic Park film was made in terms of, um, like visual visuals, obviously, but also uh, thematically. Yeah. And I, th- and I think that while. Star Wars was a film that was made to have a universe. 
Jurassic Park was really made to only be one movie. And they, again, before you even knew what you had, you slapped it on a plastic lunchbox and you were selling it. They made all these sequels. Yeah. Like all this um, other shit. (laughs) Yeah. So Michael Crichton also wrote um, the book that became The Lost World. um, The Lost World, which was just titled The Lost World. Um, Stupid. Okay. I need to say this right now. The Lost World Jurassic Park is the stupidest title that I think I've ever heard. For yeah, it's really dumb. Why isn't it Jurassic Park The Lost World? Or I will Jurassic never Park understand two. that. I will never understand it. But that's Jurassic here nor there. Three afterwards, but like what I was, re- I was really hoping that they would title Fallen Kingdom, The Lost Park Jurassic World, but they didn't. They didn't, and it's fine. But um, anyways. Fallen Kingdom Jurassic World. Anyway, then yeah. Jurassic Park, but, then Jurassic World three as the third one. Yes, yes, um, and uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. It's uh, I kind of lost my. Train yeah, of that's all right. We can move on. I only got two more questions for you, anyways. Um, so these are my two fun questions. Uh, when do you think you should show someone Jurassic Park? Because it's a movie that everyone should see. It's a movie that if you haven't watched by the time you're like 16, you've now waited too long and then you, you might miss it. You know what I mean? You might not get that full wondrous experience of watching Jurassic Park. So, but at the same time, it's also far too scary for a little, little kid. You know what I mean? Like a, like a three to four year old. But I'm talking like, what is the perfect age to show a kid Jurassic Park? Like like a five, six sort of deal. Yeah. You think that like, they can just, the murder is fine? Sorry? The murder is just okay. Well, I mean, I saw it. No, I know. Like, me too. But look I at turned us, out all right. Look at and us. I, I, we still collect VHSs. What's, what's wrong with us? <laughs> and I mean... The murder is there, but yeah. it's not. It's not like the, okay. at the forefront. It's you not do, like here's you do see a dude's death. arm, but nobody gets necessarily. Uh, well, except for the, the thing is, there's no, there's not a lot of blood and guts. Yeah, you it's you, you see kinda... the lawyer get picked up and thrown around, but that's almost comical in a way. Yeah, you just kind of hate that guy. And I think that and you do, but I I think that it's important. I don't know. I, I think it's okay. Like, kids see so much yeah. brutal stuff. And now, it, like, anyways, it's, it's like we're all sort of desensitized. For the wonder. It's, more, it's more valuable for the wonder, but I also think that it's okay for people to be scared a little bit. Yeah, because, at the end of the, because at the end of the movie, everything's fine. That's true. I actually thought and the scariest part was the raptors. <laughs> the scariest part for me as a kid was... Here, here, here watch this. It's the door opening. <laughs> uh, there's a really good part in that scene too that um, if you look really closely while the raptor is entering the room you see a stage hand just come and push the tail down really they left that in and I think it's so funny I back it um, like he's just a bit too erect yeah. I, I don't I, you know uh, I um, I think that I think that I think that age is good five or six yeah, around that age because it's like maybe a, maybe a little older, but when you're still a kid because you need to experience the film with that sense of wonder. Proper sense the, of wonder, yeah. Like you know. Um, no, I, I feel. I, yeah, but and I, I and I think I think that it's a it's a journey. 
I think that there's a, a lot of valuable like sort of lessons in that movie. It's yeah. not. I I think that as a film to show a young kid, like I, th- I think especially for sort of forming ideas about um, even just stuff like uh, like gender and yeah. stuff like that. It's not a very macho, like most 90s, it's very like male-centric and macho. But in this movie, you have Ellie, who's this amazing female character and stands up for herself and is just, I don't know, just She's awesome. Cool. Yeah, she's she cool. cool. You know, she takes on a like, raptor by herself. Yeah, big time. And like, they kind of talk about those sort of issues. Like yeah. there's a scene where, you know, they have to, you know, go into the jungle to like get the power back on to you know, get the park back and running so they can call the mainland and get out of there. And, you know, John Hammond says to Ellie, he goes, well, it really ought to be me going. And she's like, what are you talking about? And he goes, well, because I'm a, you're a, and she just goes, look, we can discuss gender roles and survival situations when I get back. Like, it's just, she's just such a bad yeah, bitch. She's like, and I like, don't give a f- fuck about you <laughs> yeah and like i didn't see a lot of that no like that's that's, up. that's it's a good point it is one of the strong female leads it's actually up until star wars episode eight was like that was one of my favorite female roles in a movie and then it just brought me down because it just reminded me of bad times but say la vie what what else can i say yeah and like <laughs> i kind of go back to for me for it's like she's up there with like uh, wonderful, like strong, like female sci-fi characters from the time. You have uh, Dana Barrett and also um, Ellen like Ripley, both Sigourney Weaver's characters from Ghostbusters and Aliens. Yeah, and then and then also like in the '90s too, like Gillian Anderson in the X Files. Like she's right up there. Yeah, like I I really do think that that's an important. Like I think she sort of gets lost in the in the because in the, it's in the over the of shadow of Sigourney yeah. Weaver. Well, no, I think oh, she kind of gets oh, lost in the, in the mix of the characters in the movie. Yeah, because of like, I mean, everyone is just kind of under Jeff Goldblum's shadow as much as in its ensemble. Like, yeah, you know, Jeff but, Goldblum uh, is the standout for sure. Mm-hmm. But for for her, like, this is one of best roles yeah i feel and you know what i i i would say it's my favorite role of laura derns but that's just me i only have uh an opinion on two movies she's been in and one of them i hate uh so and i'm not gonna say which it one wasn't it her fault i know it's it not her fault don't fault. let's stop talking before i get anyone mad at me because there's always a fanboy in the comments uh even though i only have one comment on any video so please like and comment if you're watching on youtube uh, this is the last question for you, and this is a doozy. And I know I don't even have the answer to this. Um, would you go to Jurassic Park if it was real? Yeah. I wouldn't. <laughs> I don't Why? think I would. Because I've seen the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and I, 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 I know how that goes. And I don't, I don't, nowadays, I don't trust anything. And, it, like, of co- and I guarantee you it would be in like Florida. If Jurassic Park was real, it, it would look a lot more like Tiger King than yeah. I think, uh, you know. And I don't, and, that uh, doesn't look safe either. 